0: Hey, Mel. an Shemro! <laughs> I lay.
2: san weg kai kai die alles so die besten in danzin, We and we We alom in löif in getes agendankoytin getinga jo nice is ma hanem miting is in interessin de schabez almen nassen achu mach ma nemimaden nissen mit 100 gram in mine minem schainem alle feiresen us namaget den raje I'm Infin best in sort, getting like a hint you. ran recht in das Kimse alles jede- alles la roi machen sie des drei das ist in I geben going to give you the gift. I am
0: L'esame l'esame
2: l'esame l'esame io 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 Lehoi dois, La Hashem Ule Zamer Ule Zamer El
3: Hello, sweetheart. I am your friendly neighborhood gypsy. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Madame Beite, internationally famous clairvoyant, fortune teller, mystic, palmist, astrologer, and caterer. <laughs> Hater. Yeah, on Fridays I make fortune cookies. <laughs> now, how may I sign you with my supernatural powers? Well, I'm not really sure. Don't be bashful, darling. I also read cards, still bumps on the head, crystal balls. in a espanol. <laughs> Well, maybe you can help me. I must contact my dear departed grandmother. Can you hold us young and bring her back so that I can talk to her? Let me ask you a question. You got $5? Yes, I do. Then I'll get in touch with her immediately. <laughs> Could you please hurry, madam? I'm very anxious to speak to my grandmother. Just a second, lady. After all, I haven't got a direct line. <laughs> Besides, I haven't summoned the spirits yet. Shh, shh, quiet.
0: Hello.
3: Oh, you've contacted her! You did it! Is that you, grandmother? Yes, it's me, my dear grandchild. How are you, grandmother? Very well, thank you. Is that really you, grandmother? Yes, it's really me. Then tell me one thing, grandmother. Anything,
1: my child. When did you learn to speak English? <laughs> J.M. in the AM in the month of Adar 1 <laughs> with some great comedy. David Gabe at Tov Hodos Shabbos Hayom, Shia Rubenstein, Eitan Freilich and Ms. Mizmarla David, Yitzhak Meir, Health God, of course. Shal Jr. with Yerushalayim, Modim was David Perlman, and Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this February the 22nd, day 17 in the month of Adar 1, the year 5779, Tavshanai and Tess. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha's Ketisa with candle lighting time at 518 on this Erev Shabbos. 518 in the New York area. 39 degrees, 55% humidity, Windsor West at 6 miles an hour. Mostly cloudy with a high of 46. And tonight, cloudy and a low 33. Tomorrow, cloudy and a high for Shabbos. 44 degrees 52 in am 39 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM well <clears throat> I have asked Mayor Weingarten to join me here on an early Friday morning I try I try very hard to sound as intelligent as possible about one of the most important topics that comes up on an almost weekly basis here at JM in the AM and that is the Israeli elections I try very very hard and I try to keep the uh The different news items and the developments organized in my head as best as possible and i try to keep all the personalities that are in government and then out of government and they want to stay in government and they want to leave government i try to keep them in an organized and as organized a fashion as possible in my brain but at some point at some point you just have to give up At, at some point it's impossible to follow at some point different things happen and you say to yourself okay I just, uh, I I just, I don't know what's going on here. So you have a couple of choices. You can completely give up and say, just let me know who wins the thing and who becomes the next prime minister. Or you could turn to our good friend, Mayor Weingarten, (coughs) especially on Mondays when he hosts the Israel show starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time right after J.M. and And you can get a clear review and summary of what's actually happening. For those of you who don't know, there's been a major shakeup in the Israeli election scene. <clears throat> and with us live via telephone is the aforementioned Mayor Weingarten. Mar Weingarten, Boker Tov, and welcome back to JM and the AM.
4: Boker or Segal.
1: It must annoy you. It must, <clears throat> it must upset you. It must irritate you that I have just thrown up my hands. I have given up on trying to follow along with what's happening on the Israeli election scene.
4: No, it doesn't annoy me. I can't blame you at all. <laughs> I and mean, they're playing musical chairs political musical chairs like it's hard to follow
1: the two main challengers to prime minister Netanyahu joined forces Thursday in the united front a dramatic move that upended the campaign and created the most serious threat to the israeli leader's decade long grip on power first of all i and again i sometimes i think that that these things are not coming out of nowhere as much as i think they are did this come out of nowhere? Was this just, you know, a complete surprise to even someone like yourself who's always listening and watching news from Israel?
4: It was brewing for a while, but not a long while. But it definitely was discussed because um, as much as they would like to convince us that they've put their egos aside, uh, that was not the motivating factor necessarily. Um, Lapid, who was... Uh, now, this is going to be his third election, which is pretty good for a new party. Most of them drop out after one or two. Right. Um, he was going down in the polls, and he felt that uh, he didn't have a chance of, of having any significant clout. And uh, he joined with uh, Benny Gantz. So they were talking on and off for you know, maybe two weeks already. And uh, finally, it was in everyone's interest to join. And and Lapid, um, yeah, Lepid, he actually gave uh, made a big concession because he wanted to be prime minister. He's been put. Look, he's been in politics now for this. Like I said, a third election. He's talking about quite a number of years. Right. And Gantz just comes out of the blue and just like Lapid did two elections ago. Right. And 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 grab up to right? so Lapid in his first election. I think that 19 seats or something like that.
5: Seventeen, is, I think.
4: 17, this is, the, this is the weakness of the Israeli electorate. You know, they, they, they just go for some new pipe dream, and then it, they get uh, disappointed, and then they go to the next pipe dream, and then the first pipe dream disappears. Moshe Kahlon is a good example. because right. Now they're talking about the possibility that he, who got, I think, 10 seats in the last election, and he was the you know, new flavor of the month now looks like he may disappear You know, this this is uh it's a very sad situation because they keep looking for the for the guy who's gonna make everything great not that not that things are so terrible
1: first of all you are correct and i apologize it was 19 seats in the 2013 election that's number one okay secondly um I get that. I get that they're looking, you know, for the personality or the <clears throat> or the uh, you know, historic figure that could upend the prime minister and that can make a difference in the upcoming election. But the the secondary stra- <clears throat> when that's not available, I guess this is the secondary strategy and that is to pool all the resources together and try to form a coalition or a pre-election coalition that's going to have the power to upend the the current administration, right? That's essentially the strategy.
4: Right, but I'll tell you this and um this past Monday on the Israel show, I mentioned that we're not going to talk about any of these um, specific politics because they're all meaningless until after Thursday, right. yesterday, because these things happen. Not I, I don't remember ever having the last day being so crazy, but these things do happen. And a lot of times, people analyze and they have polls and everything, and, and then the, the closing day comes, and it's a whole new... It's a, it's a whole new ballgame.
1: Yeah, new landscape.
4: A whole new landscape. So I my suggestion is that we don't look at any polls and don't give any credence to anything until about another week and a half. Okay. The dust, when the dust settles. Okay.
1: But, but, and, I, but but I have to still ask you the the big question, yeah. uh, and that is uh, it, when you look at today's news and you look at and a variety of news, you know, right to left, uh, there are people who are indicating that that even this group, even this group, even with, and I know you don't want to look at polls today, but, you know, for argument's sake, let's say, for instance, that this group has five more seats than we could, let's say that's how, how things would end, that even so, it is possible they will not be invited to form a government. Isn't that unrealistic, that with a margin like that, the, you know, it, they would not be at least given the chance to attempt to form a government?
4: Well, if, depending on how many votes Uh, How many seats the Haredi party end up with? The uh, Aguda Shah, Aguda has um, promised that they will not sit with Yair Lapid, okay? Uh, He's the one who passed the law that supposedly was going to get religious yeshiva students drafted. He was the one who uh, passed many laws that they were very, very much against that would force, for example, the schools to teach... Uh, the basic math and um, other basic uh, studies, even in the religious schools, the Haredi schools, and so forth. So he is is a no-go for them. So uh, depending on how many seats they get, if they get, let's say, altogether there's seven votes, uh, seven seats, ten seats, or something like that, they very easily can tilt things the other way. And then you have Bennett, who's never going to go with... Lapid and guns, right? So the blocks, and this is the point that people have been making, no matter what the polls show, the block of left versus right, meaning the total coalition, has remained pretty stable throughout with 63 on the right and uh, 50-whatever on the left. So it it could be that, for example, one of the smaller right-wing parties, and there are many of them, too many of them, that are on the border of the threshold, drop out, lose, don't make the threshold, and then those votes go go get lost, unfortunately. So then you end up with the right-wing coalition losing three seats, and then you have a much more difficult situation. But in Israel, it could happen, and it has happened. We, we've spoken about it recently, that somebody gets more seats in the Knesset than somebody else, but they're the ones who are given the job of putting together the government.
1: Right. Uh, or, does well, does let, any of this make sense? Yeah, sometimes? but you, you, I think you meant less seats than anybody else and still got the job forming the government. Right? Yes, I'm sorry. Right. Yes, I did. Yes, yes I
4: did. <laughs> very interesting. My, I'm
1: sorry? No, very interesting. It's, uh, I, I thought with that type of margin, that type of strategy still doesn't work, but you've just explained why it still really could be practical for right. the president of Israel to invite the right wing to form a government.
4: That's the one constant that has kept throughout right. is the actual number of seats in each. In each uh, in each group, in the left, in each block, each coalition block, the left versus the right, and that shows, by the way, that the majority of Israelis are still where they are. Yeah,
1: now, a, a, a slim majority,
5: but yeah,
4: yeah. Gantz, his new party. This is this is a person who was chief of staff, so obviously has a, a lot going for him, and he's done a lot for the state. But a politician, he's not. Quite right. frankly, he's made he's already made some big blunders, big blunders. And um, Lapid is much better at it. But Gantz was also losing. You know, he started off. It's always the same thing. You know, you get the bump from the convention or, the, or some other media bump. Right. And then people start seeing that, hey, is isn't so, you know, so he, he's not the next. the the next big thing
1: right he's not the next
4: churchill (laughs) yeah that's for sure so so he he starts going down so he was at a height of like 22 in the polls, 22 seats and then he started going down then it was 18 seats so the two of them getting together could give a big bump now but i'm wondering in 10 days if you look at the poll and everybody makes the mistakes that they're going to make including the prime minister and don't forget in about 10 days is when their supposed um, indictments are going to come down, although you know they've come down in 10 days for the last two years. Right. So, <laughs> right. <that's not
1: laughs> that, know. that 10-day stretch continues to move. Um, yeah. And by the way, that's my last. First of all, I thank you because now I really <laughs> feel that now I'm you're really confused. That, but, but, but there's an organized confusion. There's something to that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, so I thank you for that. But it, it, I got to ask you one last question. What did you think, with all that in mind that you just said, uh, that, they, the, that, they, that this left coalition still doesn't have the leader they think they may have, and you just uh, pointed out that because of an experience, there's some blunders already being made and more probably down the road. What did you think of the prime minister's reaction to this left-leaning coalition uh, when he essentially, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I can't, this is not a quote. But but it sounded like he was saying, you know, this is essentially suicide for the state of Israel if they if you know if the electorate would go ahead and put these people in power. What do you think of his reaction uh, to this new coalition?
4: I think that he is a master politician who has been at this for a very long time. Uh, here it is. And-
1: here it is. I'm sorry. If they came to power, Israel's very existence would be threatened by the Palestinian state. He said they intend to establish. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: Right. So. <laughs> You're basically saying to three former chiefs of staff that are united in that party. Benny Gantz is at the head, but uh, under him is Bogie Alon. And Ashkenazi. And also Gabi Ashkenazi, who oh. hasn't joined as a member on the list, but he's joined, uh, officially he's joined this new party. That's three former chiefs of staff. Chiefs of staff. It's going to be very hard for the prime minister to go around saying they're going to... They're going to endanger your security. Right. He, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to brand them as fast as as quickly as possible. Last left, left left. That's his whole message. Right. Guns is left. guns is weak. Guns and that's left.
1: that's always been his winning strategy. Frankly, security that, issues has always been.
4: That, right, that, and oi, gaval, gavals, gavals, we're going to, you know, something's going to happen. And the, the last one, it was the Arabs are busting people to the polls, hurry up. Please.
1: He says, uh, He says we have, and this is really, a, this is a quote, we have been through this twice before, left-wing generals posing as right-wingers. They talk about national unity and then turn over to government to the policies of the left. In 1992, we got Yitzhak Rabin and the disaster of Oslo. In 99, Ehud Barak and the second intifada, suicide bombings on buses, and over a 1,000 Israelis killed. When I'm Prime Minister Netanyahu said, you're not afraid of getting on a bus or sitting at restaurants. Wow, what a statement.
4: Right. So he's right about the fact, and that's what I was alluding to before. Right. The man could be chief of staff of the army. It doesn't mean that he's a good politician or that he could be a good, let's say, negotiator. And, and and if you have three of them, it doesn't mean that they can be good either. But it's going to be hard. The point I'm trying to make is it's going to be hard-sell to say you're not going to be safe when you're talking about three former chiefs of staff. Right.
1: All right. Um, you've been a tremendous help, and I thank you. And this was, as you predicted, an interesting Thursday, this uh, final day that they have to submit their lists and all that. It was an interesting day in Israel yesterday. That's for sure.
4: Thank you. Thank you very much. I just, uh, I, I last night, the two of us were watching the oh, list off. Oh, how great was that? It was, it was uh, I, I, as I mentioned to you, It was a combination of goosebumps and tears. It was just, uh, I I don't know what to say other than if we can send a man to the moon, can't we find a better election system? (laughs) I know, I know we're not sending a man to the moon, but,
1: you know. If we can send an unmanned to the moon. An
4: unmanned to the moon, right? By the way,
1: Mayor, I, you know, I'm ashamed of myself. I didn't do better research, but I do have one person working on it. I believe this is the flight that included a jam damn on it. If I'm not mistaken, oh th- my gosh.
4: This was, I didn't know that. Yeah, this
1: was the group that years ago, when they were interviewed by us, said if you send us a bumper sticker or something, we will put you know among the other one million items that are on this thing going to the moon, we'll, we will put something from your show. And I believe this is the group. I do have someone. Oh. I have someone looking into it to see if there's actually like an inventory list of everything that's on it. That's
4: amazing. I, I know the one thing that I know is on it. Is uh, the entire Tanakh on a dead. Oh,
1: I'll tell you.
4: It, the whole... So, so it's it's interesting take on what we say in, uh, in Kiddush Levanach Hashem Shani O'Ked Edech Veini a in right?
1: And look what's happening.
4: Right? Yeah, pretty amazing. It's a, it's not pretty amazing. It's crazily
1: amazing. Unbelievable things unbelievable are
4: you going to be able to do this election
1: analysis without me on monday morning because i i think i added a lot to this
4: (laughs) you you did and why would i have to do it without you
1: No meeting meeting at nine a.m. Monday. I know. I understand.
4: <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah. uh, I don't know, Mayor. After after all that I've contributed to this conversation, I don't know how you can go alone on this. But
4: uh. Uh, let's put it this way: without you, none of us would be doing what we're doing here. Well, so I appreciate that very much. Oh, ha- nothing could happen without you.
1: By the way, as you're giving a shout out to our Israeli brethren for this remarkable achievement that you and I both witnessed last night as we were watching the uh, the sheath go up. Um. Can you believe how our how our brothers and sisters in Israel have to well I don't I don't want to use the word suffered that would be too much but can you believe that that they don't have the the luck that would have been necessary to be able to see the Yeshiv university semifinal game today because it's taking place when Shabbat already starts in Israel so they're going to have to wait till after Shabbat to hear the results can you imagine oh, that gosh.
4: Can I might you, have to wait till lift to show up the get a result.
1: You, yeah, you'll be we'll, calling we'll, me. What happened, by the way? Yeah, what
4: happened? I was going to say, will you be in touch with me, please, on a minute-by-minute basis?
1: I mean, could you imagine if I was in Israel today and I'd have to miss out and not know what what, what, what happened in Washington Heights I'll, until after the No,
4: I'll tell you what you would have done. You would have left your fax machine on and you would have somebody <laughs> in America <come> fax you. <laughs>
1: That actually might be a workable strategy as you know. You see that?
5: <laughs> oh,
1: oh the technology that you and I developed years ago. Oh
4: yeah.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, got to write about that in one of our books. We'll see who, who whose book comes out first has to have that story in it.
4: Um okay.
1: Mayor Tadaraba, and listen, I apologize. It was not my idea to have new elections, so I'm sorry that you have to, you know, go through all this between now and the seventh of April no, or whatever date case, it is. This is what
4: I live for. Ninth right? of April, the elections. What am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I think it's the day or two after the elections is when the um, when that uh, lander is going right. to right land on the moon. Right. So might be interesting. Um,
1: yeah.
4: By the way.
1: It, in, in, you said something in this conversation that I did not pick up on until now. If, in fact, uh, Gans is the prime minister for the first two and a half years, and mm-hmm. Lapid La is ready to say, I'll take the second shift of the right. two I mean, Lapid, and I'm being serious about this, Lapid does realize that generally these, these terms don't go to five yeah,
4: of years. Course, right? Of course. It, it's only happened one other time, and right. that was Paris and Shamir. And in that case, Simon Paris made a point of not. Bringing down the government you know after his term, and he said, "If we're going to make this deal, we have to make it work for the future so um that that is true It's interesting right away a technical interesting point that in order to do this, when the year and what is it the year and a half or two years, whatever it is that they agreed to is over two and a half yeah. the two and a half. Two and a half. Oh, my God, that's never going to happen. But anyway, yeah. um, when that's over, the, the prime minister and the entire government have to resign. Right. The whole process has to then go through again. We're going to the president and that whole thing. Who knows what the heck is going to happen, you know, in that process. It's not they can't just agree and, you know.
1: And it's a different environment now, if you know what I mean, than when yeah. Shamir, Paris and Rabin were around. It's a different of environment.
4: Course. It's a lot more contentious.
1: And I thought it was I thought it was Rabbin and and Paris. It was Paris and and Shamir. Yes, sir. So Rabin and Paris never had one of those deals. Rabin and Paris in the same party. Right. So, they, so it was never like that. And yeah. and and Paris, who we know was never actually elected the prime minister, was that the only time he served? He served one other time.
4: He served right after um, the murder of the murder the, of Rabin. The assassination of so, Rabin. So he t-
1: twice he was he was actually prime minister right. of Israel. And, never. and
4: that's when that's when. Uh, he lost out because he didn't call the elections fast enough. Right. and Yeah, he, and
1: he mistimed
4: things. He mistimed things. And even with the help of President Clinton. Right. He still couldn't has, win it. Yeah, who publicly has said that we helped, I mean, that we intervened in Israeli elections. He didn't right. use those words, but he said it very right. forward.
1: All right, after after these long uh, after these long academic lectures or in the middle of these long academic lectures, I think we need a break. I think I uh, I think I deserve at least a 2-3 minute break to stretch my legs now after after uh after enjoying your uh, analysis for the last uh you know, whatever it's been. Please do. <laughs> I feel like I've been to a college course on Israeli elections just now. Oh, uh,
4: okay. Well, I'll, I'll be ready to give one if there's a college out there that'll
1: have. Me. And by the way, this is a good arrangement. You wouldn't mind doing it via via Skype or phone, or you know, right? That would be a yeah, good a good way to course. be a professor in twenty nineteen.
4: Yeah, in fact, I could teach the course in Israel. <laughs> I exactly. know what's going on. <laughs> All right, Tadara Bameir in Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>
1: Mayor Weingar, if you're paying careful attention to this conversation, Mayor Weingarten just gave us a lot of tidbits that help explain what's going on, especially in light of what happened yesterday in Israel. Obviously, uh, Malcolm Holline and I will discuss the elections and get the pers- get his perspective on all of this coming up during our weekly update. our suggestion, as we try to suggest as often as possible, especially during election time, is if you want a comprehensive look at all of this, and uh, hear Mayor give a presentation without me interrupting him constantly. You tune in right after J.M.N. this coming Monday morning to the Israel Show, which of course I'll remind you about uh, on Monday morning, and uh, you'll get a comprehensive look uh, of everything—not just this new party, but obviously everything across the board uh, from Mayor uh, regarding the Israeli elections. And if you're somebody who's eligible to vote April the ninth in Israel, maybe Mayor will, uh, in, Mayor maybe his words and analysis will encourage you to. Uh, the planet trip and get over to Israel and vote or maybe the opposite <laughs> maybe maybe his analysis will finally ma- let you or make you throw your hands up and say you know what let's I'm just decide it over there and I'm gonna stay out of it either way uh, make sure to be tuned in 9 a.m eastern time on Monday right here at the Nahum Siegel Network five minutes before seven o'clock and our news from Israel plus plenty more we will talk about the spacecraft uh, and spaceship uh, brace sheet Jake Novak who was really an eyewitness? Mayor and I, and thousands of others, were watching it either on our phones or computers last night. Uh, Jake was there at Cape Canaveral. We'll hopefully speak with him in the next twenty minutes, right here at JM in the AM.
0: يا خوني ساندك غير العشر ميكشر يا خوني ناتك يا خوني ناتك
1: 7 a.m. on a Friday morning with Yaakov Shwecki wrapping up the hour for us. Uh, Erev Shabbos Parsha's Keith with Candle Lighting 518 here in New York. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Golly, will be in the background in just a couple of minutes, or actually less than that. Well, the Israeli elections and a whole bunch of other stuff all coming up. Weekly update with Malcolm Holmline at 740 Eastern Time. Jake Novak is with Space IL or is at the site where Space IL was until late last night at Cape Canaveral. Uh, he's scheduled to join us a few minutes from now here at JM. looking forward to that. Uh, Naomi Nachman, mazal tov, Naomi, on our 200th show of Table for Two. That That is pretty amazing, right? Weekly show, 200. It's pretty cool. Um, numbers impress, and this one is certainly impressive. Uh, we get to speak to Naomi later on. And of course, that big show that took place at the Spicy Peach down in Atlanta is going to be our focus starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time this morning on Table for Two. Very much. Looking forward to it. Galitzal in the background. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and com, On the Nachom Single Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Candlelighting 518 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, Great weekend programming. We'll outline everything for you coming up. Galitzal Israel Army Radio 2 p.m. Newscast for a Friday is next. We say bokeh toe from Jani.
6: Galitzal Hasha'atim can go ni kohen ima shekurei hashav bechirot כולנו תשקול את האפשרות, רק כשהשניים יבהירו את עמדותיהם. בחנוכת מתה בחולון טען כחלון, אני לא יודע איפה הכחול ואיפה הלבן, אני לא יודע אם הם בעד הבנקים או בעד הציבור. יש שם בלבול מוחלט. אני מצפה מגנץ ומלפיד לחדד את המסרים שלהם, רק שנבין מה קורה איתם, נוכל להתייחס לאפשרויות בהתאם. כח שר האוצר, מדבריו הביאה כתבתנו קרנר. גבר בשנות ה-30 לחייו נפצע קשה מפגיעת חץ ביישוב אדם שבבינימין. הוא פונה לבית החולים כשהוא סובל מפציעות חודרות בפלג גופו העליון. כוחות משטרה עצרו חשוד בתקיפה במהלך שריקות באזור, כתבנו יאירו וייטו מוסר שהרקע לאירוע, לילי. באקוודור הורגשה רעידת אדמה בעוצמה 7.7 סמוך לגבול עם פירור. כך לפי המכון הססמולוגי של ארצות הברית. כתבתנו אינה אנטונוב מוסרת שבאזור מתגוררים כ-160 אלף תושבים, אך תרם על נפגעים או על נזק. מזג האוויר קר מהרגיל בעוניים, קשמים מקומיים בצפון ובמרכז, ואלה זמני כניסת השבת פרשת קיטיסה. בירושלים ב-455 דקות, בתל אביב ב-5 דקות, בחיפה ב-5 ודקה, ובירשבת תיכנס השבת ב-5 ו דקות. ולזמנה יצאת השבת מחר בערב, בירושלים ב-6 ו-9 דקות, בתל אביב ב-6 ו-11 דקות, ב-6 ו-9 דקות, וביבר שבע תצא השבת ב-6 ו-12 דקות. שבת שלום לכולם, אלה החדשות.
0: i
1: Morning. Well, we mentioned earlier that uh, Brace Sheet went up last night. I watched it live. You heard me discuss with Mayor Weingarten earlier how he was watching it as well with goosebumps and tears. Not believing in 70 years what the state of Israel can accomplish. In this case, a mostly volunteer effort with Space IL. We're all jealous of Jake Novak. He got to be there at Cape Canaveral Live and in person and see this go up and uh, see history in the making as far as those of us who love Israel are concerned. Jake is down in Florida. Jake Novak, welcome back to JM in the AM.
7: Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, it really was an incredible thing. I mean, if you ever have a chance, I mean, obviously you won't have a lot of chances to see, uh, well, hopefully you'll have <laughs> more in the future, right. chances to see Israel uh, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> lunar modules getting launched. But if you ever get a chance to see one of these launches, you know, they're they're relatively open to the public. Uh, I highly recommend it. But, th- yes, to see, knowing that rocket zooming above my head, just above my head, was carrying an Israeli lunar module. I mean, that really made it extra special. It was just an incredible feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I say, the sight on the phone and the laptop was pretty cool. I could imagine what it, was like, what it was like in person. Uh, but there's something deeper and more significant to this one. And you're right. There's an excitement, obviously, uh, to seeing Cape Canaveral in action but knowing that that it's israel that's being represented and that israel this young country is is you know has advanced to this point and that even and that this project even became significant for them because remember this was a this started as a contest and you know ended up as a as a majority volunteer effort i think that's a safe assumption right that it was
7: majority volunteer uh, uh it was all actually privately funded yeah i mean well it, it cost 100 million dollars which uh is an incredibly cheap price for a mission like this and apparently oh yeah only about two million of that hundred million came from the israeli government so okay. yeah i mean that that's that's the correct so.
1: um and and what was i mean y- you know we we've learned so much about this over the last few days you know won't land on the moon till april 11th and all the different things it's uh-huh. supposed to do on the moon before it i know the the i know it's not an accurate word to say self-destructs but you get my point when it stops <laughs> yeah. working uh, and also how it's going to be orbiting, uh, you know, up there for quite a while, for for a long, long time. Are there tidbits that you learned being down there that that you know that that we don't know that we that we haven't been uh, that ha- we haven't been told so far about this mission?
7: Yeah, I mean, the th- you know, this is the thing that Stan. I'm, I'm going to lead with the lead. The thing that really stood out to me was something very interesting. So, Jerry, you know, it sounded like it was just a bunch of PR, nice sentiment. You may have heard in a bunch of the news releases or in some of the interviews where they said, "Well, we're really doing this in the hopes of inspiring Israeli children to get involved in science." Right, and that sounds nice. But what we found out, and what I was able to find out from some of the engineers who were involved in this project uh, when I was talking to them, is that that actually is a very serious goal. Now, we all think of Israel as a startup nation, as this technological wonder, and it is. It absolutely is. But there is a growing worry in Israel right now that the young generation is not as interested in technology as the current, gener- as the current generation in the, in the field, the current adult generation. Right. There is a, there's a fear of that. And one of the things that, they, that helped get them, a lot of the donors, and a lot of the support for this, was making this argument that look what the Apollo effect had in the United States. Mm. I don't care what they say in their biographies, and a lot of them do say it in their biographies, but the Apollo landings absolutely inspired Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Jeff right. Bezos, and people like them. Right. And so, that is, so the fact that this is actually a little bit of a, somewhat of a necessity, not just a, hey, let's just go to the moon kind of thing, was a new, bit of, a new revelation that I, I got over the last 24, 48 hours. So it, it, it adds a little bit more of importance to the mission that I didn't know before.
1: Jake Novak with us. He's down at Cape Canaveral with us every Monday, 11 a.m. with Novak Now, and obviously he does a whole bunch of reporting, including on Twitter. You could check him out. Um, What's the official Twitter handle, sir? At Jake Jake NY. Did you have any uh, 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 revolutionary tweets about the uh, mission, about the uh, liftoff last night?
7: Well, uh, and I did, not so much about the liftoff. So this is one of the great things. Right? So you know, I'm here covering uh, the launch for i24 News. It's on the cable systems i24 News, which has a headquarters at the Jaffa Port, and we're also in New York and in France. And about four hours, four or five hours before the launch, they took us to the launch pad, right to the launch pad. If you were a credentialed media, there were about twenty or thirty of us. We got to go right onto the launch pad. And that is an amazing sight because, first of all, you see all the singed grass and burnt, You know, every time there's a launch there, I mean, the stuff gets kind of burned there bad, badly. So you see from the previous launches. And then we got on the launch pad and we got a really up-close up look at the rocket. And then they told us something that I thought was really symbolic and it got me very emotional. The launch went off from launch pad 40 at the Kennedy Space Center. Right next to it are launch pads 39 and 38, and that's where all the Apollo missions lifted off, all know. those historic missions, Apollo 11 and, and Apollo 13, all that stuff. And we thought it was symbolic, all of us there, that this next step in moon exploration is, the U.S. has not put anything on the moon in over 40 years, and Israel's done it. So it's kind of like a little bit of a passing of the baton, you know, from 38, 39 to 40. And that was something that, you know, I I, was a really—that you can't do. I mean, like I said, it's relatively easy to see one of these launches somewhat in person. I mean, you pay 20 bucks and you can come. But to get onto the launch bed like that, that was a
4: real special experience, that I didn't get it to
1: speak. It is really amazing. And, and it, unfortunately, as much as we discussed earlier, goosebumps and tears, uh, because we're so used to this stuff already, the goosebumps and tears are limited. It, 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 it doesn't even <laughs> strike us how significant this is because of how much Israel has advanced in technology and in areas like this. It's unbelievable. If you told my grandparents... That the Israelis would be looked to at, you know, doing this stuff, you know, casually and leisurely at this point, they would never have believed it.
7: Yeah, and I think it's also it's not just ingenuity; it's just it's the self motivation. Right. I mean, we all know that Israel has to do stuff for its defense, for its economic well-being. Uh, they they can't wait around for for permission to do things like this. So it's interesting, you know, this whole project started because of the Google X Prize. Google right. set up this big prize for anyone who could do this, and. No one was able to do it in the in the allotted amount of time. The X Prize uh, uh, competition expired,
4: but the Israelis said, "Well, let's
7: keep going. Let's it's keep too, going just because we're not going to get the X Prize. It's too important, you know, and we're right? We're going to get the funding. It's just too so, important it, to to not do yeah. it. Right. Yeah, And they have to do it. And listen, a, a, anyone who studied the space program knows there's so many other technological breakthroughs that come on a tangent from the uh, from space exploration. I mean, so, so much of what we use now in our computers." And I mean, you can name about a million medical and scientific um, uh, discoveries that came because of the space program here in the United States. So Israel is also hoping to reap the benefits like that.
1: Uh, most importantly, did you find out if the J bumper sticker was on the flight?
7: No, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> they will not give us a, 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 an itemized list. You know, it, and that was the thing I was hoping for. And then the other thing that, by you know, by the way, that just struck me: uh, we we met an incredible. Um, aerospace expert on that bus to the launch pad who ended up being a, a, a guest for us and giving us some some expert uh I, I, opinions and stuff a uh, guy named Dr. Ken Kramer and he said so we asked him you know hey the weather looks good could anything possibly scrub this launch i know by the way how, how fitting! How strange is it? Talk about an incredible Israeli Jewish achievement. This launch not only went off, but it went off right on time. I <laughs> yeah, I know. Mean, i was, right on time. <laughs> when they
1: st- when they started counting down, I was shocked.
7: <laughs> I know. I mean, really, it, it, clearly, the Jewish people have taken a step forward, for, you know, <laughs> in, in amazing ways. Uh, um, but anyway, he told us. He said, "Well, said so no. The weather won't delay you anymore. The weather's great. There could be a technical problem with the rocket. Of course, we didn't have that. But then he said something that really worried me was." He said about 11 or, or six or seven eight years ago, somebody deliberately flew a private plane into the path before a launch. Wow. Some kind of, act, some kind of activist who was trying to stop it. And he did. He, he succeeded in scrubbing a launch for, for weeks. Wow. And uh, yeah, obviously, the details of that have been kept kind of quiet. And I thought to myself, this being Israel,
5: yeah. what
7: are the chances that somebody deciding to make some kind of a statement would do this? Got and. It. The fact that that didn't happen also was really a relief But I got to tell you I was I was a little bit on on the edge of my seat there for a while what an, went into the air
1: What an important point sabotage especially yeah. with Israel yeah. involved And by the way yeah. as much I mean people have been hearing me talk about it for the last week but I joke about the bumper sticker you know this was the group that when they visited us at the beginning of this project said to us and to a million other people you know if you have a specific item that you want to get to the moon we're going to take it with us and that's why I'm confident that, that that did go to the moon. But th- I, I bring this up also uh, on a serious uh, vein because, uh, as Mayor Weingarten pointed out earlier this morning, a Tanakh went to the moon, and yeah. God knows how many other really significant items Israel sent with this rocket to the moon. And if you think about, you know, not just world history, but uh, the history of uh, uh, the, literally the history of our world, you know, then th- that is extremely significant.
7: Yeah, and I think this cancels out something else. So for those of you who are real space buffs, you'll know that the Voyager uh, space satellite that we sent out many years ago into other galaxies in the United States included a lot of uh, time capsule-type items right, also. correct. And the person who gave the recorded message that they put in that time capsule in the Voyager, saying something along the lines of, welcome, you know, we're from Earth, was none other than the U.N. Secretary General at the time, who was
1: Benjamin? Attend- Waldheim.
7: Oh, Gerwald. I'm right. And I thought to myself, like, oh, what man. if aliens are able to tell just from someone's voice if someone is evil or not? Wow. <laughs> I mean, so the Earth will get destroyed. Wow. So I thought to myself, so this is like, thank. Maybe this will cancel it out. Some, you know, a Tanakh and some of the, you know, in, you know, great uh, <laughs> items of Jewish history and Jewish culture. Uh, that I think that time capsule might just cancel out, you know, whatever bad stuff can be part of the Voyager. Oh. Um, but yeah, so that's what I was kind of hoping. As
1: you said, UN. Uh, as you started saying UN, I started thinking that Tanya was speaking. Of which, uh, which Israeli officials were with you down there witnessing this uh, this uh, launch?
7: You know, there weren't any. Well, there one were second. From the, from no, the that's, Israeli that's, news that's media.
1: that's not fair because I think we did see Ambassador Dermer on the tarmac. Am I right?
7: Uh, he might have been there earlier uh, ah. before we got there, but I mean, they weren't there on the, uh, at the, at the view. I think they may have also been at maybe some kind of control room at right. SpaceX or something along, along those lines. And I think that that was also by, by design. Because remember, like I said, right. only a $2 million investment from the Israeli government, which even for the Israeli government is not a lot of money. Right. And I think that they really, and SpaceX and the entire space industry is really, really, for, you know the Israel stuff for us is the big story for everyone else in the space industry the big story is that this was a privately funded mission to the moon right and they are really hoping to get more of these and the fact that israel was able to i mean speaking of jewish uh, you know yiddish a cup here i mean they fa- they found a way to make this inexpensive right. they they hitched a ride with two other satellites <laughs> <laughs> they found a way to make it cheaper they did, they, uh, did, they, they did they did uber know. they did uber pool to the moon <laughs> that's right we uber pooled it to the moon i mean this is exactly what you have to do in these situations And um, it was really, it was really a, um, it was, to me, that was, I think, deliberate, that the Israeli government wasn't so prominent.
1: Very uh, interesting. Very interesting. I'll tell you, the whole thing is incredible. So uh, the the liftoff was successful, thank God. Many people saw it. You'd have to assume a
7: lot of people were up all night in Israel, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think a lot of, there were a lot of school children who, like, won contests and things like that to be at the control room in Yehud, which is just the, just by the you know, Ben Gurion Airport, not far from there. Uh, so yeah, it, it was a big deal there, and uh, everyone is really happy with it. I'm still talking about it this morning, so uh, that, that's that's for sure.
1: And the NASA relationship with Israel must be much much tighter than it ever was.
7: Yeah, well, you know, the um, NASA administrator. So that's it sounds like a, a, a not a high title, but that, that's actually the head of NASA is called that NASA administrator, his name, Jeff Bridenstine, and he saw the lunar module for the Bury sheets for the first time. Uh, six months ago. He just happened to see it. They gave him, I guess they gave him a tour of it in Israel. And sight unseen, you know, sight, not sight unseen, but the second he saw it, he said, oh, this is amazing. We need to get some NASA machinery on this thing. And he immediately made the agreement to put a laser array on top of the Beresheet lunar module, which will help to GPS map the moon a little bit, and also, I they believe help them track a better trajectory for some kind of a mission to Mars. So that was an incredible endorsement. You could tell that the SpaceIL people who were at the news conference the night before the launch you could tell that was probably the the thing they may have been most proud of that NASA saw this and and, and immediately put had enough um confidence in it to put a, you know a major piece of machinery of their own on top of the module
1: unbelievable and that same group of Israelis must have had the most amazing sigh of relief last night when that thing went <laughs> off without a problem
7: yeah a lot of a lot of hurdles yet to clear though as you mentioned it's right. a, it's an Omer it's a 7 week trip right. to the moon exactly
5: 49 days
7: uh, and uh, there are a lot. Of, they to, for, to keep the cost down. They really don't have a lot of room for error. But I do. I really think that this was about fifty percent of the hurdles last night because the legs um, deployed at right, the right time. Obviously, the liftoff went off well. That was a big part of it. Now that it's already in that uh, that orbit, as it gets closer and closer to the Earth, and then slingshots off the Earth to get to the moon. I think it gets a little bit, e- not easier, but a little bit more predictable. Um, so that, so the, yeah, yes, so the size of relief, but there's more uh, There's more uh, nervous moments to come.
1: Hey, Jake, you don't know any of the rejected names for Bray sheet, do you?
7: No, no, I'm just <laughs> really glad they didn't call it Kohelet. That would be the most depressing. <laughs> that would be a very depressing lunar mod. It's like, yeah, moon, sun, whatever, what do I care? Uh, you know, so, yes, I'm glad they didn't call it that.
1: <laughs> I can think of a few others that I'm glad they avoided, frankly, although you have to admit Bray Sheet's a pretty good one, right? Eh?
7: Yes, yeah. And, and you know, the, for, the only people who didn't <laughs> like that were these crazy Star Trek fans who remembered that Genesis was the name of the, uh, the the thing that made dead planets into living planets, but also was considered to be a weapon. Because it could also make a living planet into a dead so planet. So they basically so, accused the Israelis yeah. of ripping off Star Trek, huh? <laughs> yeah, they're ripping off Star Trek, and uh, which is constantly being done. Uh, so all I'm saying is I was glad the Klingons didn't come right before the launch demanding the Genesis weapon. say.
1: Uh, the Trekkies out there, I'm sure, are stepping nachas from you, Mr. Novak. Yeah,
5: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I thank you. Uh, I'm glad you were down there at Cape Canaveral to witness all of this and to give us a feeling of what it was like. And uh, God bless Israel. Am Yisrael Chai. Pretty amazing, Jake, to say the least.
7: It really is. Uh, who you know? Who would have thought this would happen? But you know, not only does Israel, but the world needs this. Nothing we absolutely need yep. for our technological advancement. More projects like this.
1: Right. Well, we need that. We need Amazon in New York. Right. That would be good. Also, right.
4: <laughs> Yeah, I'll take it. And we I'll need and we
1: need a big YU victory today in the Skyline Conference semifinal. I mean, I mean, Jake, travel to the moon is one thing. We need a big victory <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the YU men's basketball championship today. You
7: know, well, <laughs> so. as long as as long as no one's shoe disintegrates while they're making a cut on the floor, like <laughs> what happened to that zoo guy, I think they're going to be okay. I have a feeling that they're going to come out in very very good shoes today.
1: Hey, okay. am I am I right that Nike did not come out with a statement after that? Am I right that they've ignored the situation? Or am I wrong about that?
7: Uh, so far, I have not heard anything. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah they've said you no, know, they've said no, no, they, they've said that they're looking. Into they said that they're looking into it. So, so yes and no. I mean, your answer, yeah, they have not come out with a definitive statement. They said they're looking into it. And I not- am very worried. They're going to try to pin this on the player. You know, they're going to say he tampered with the shoe. Uh, if I were him, I would lawyer up. <laughs> seriously. Yeah.
1: And 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 not much worse could happen to a a mammoth shoe company, right? Not not many worse things could happen than that.
7: I can't think of a worse. Listen, thank God no one was killed. Right. But I can't think of a product disaster, PR disaster, bigger than this one because there are a million cameras on this guy's foot at the time because he's such a big player in one of the biggest you know, this, games of the year, amazing. in one of the biggest yeah. rivalries of the year. Yeah. And uh, for this to happen on this on such a stage to a, to a product that everybody knows and everything, I, keep, I mean, imagine somebody you know in the Super Bowl. And their helmet cracked over. Right. I mean, they say, well, who made that helmet? Was it right. Rydell? Was it Bike? You know, was, it, it, it's unbelievable." Uh, and so, but so that is why I'm worried that Nike won't do the right thing. You know, one of my listen, one of my pet projects, one of the things I'm always interested in is crisis management. And, and 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 let me just say, this is this is something I found out to be true with crisis management. If you are dealing with a bad PR, ask yourself, what's the what's what's the thing that you really don't want people to find out that is true. And just assume that they will find out. It's going to happen. Right. So you either get out ahead of it or you don't. And, of course, the great example of who handled that the best in the history of this country was Tylenol.
5: Tylenol when right. Some
7: kook was lacing Tylenol. It wasn't their fault. Some right. kook was lacing Tylenol tablets with cyanide. And people were dying. And Tylenol took full responsibility and pulled every bottle off the shelves right. 37 years ago. And no one will ever beat, not only their more, and more importantly, the, 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 the more morality of what they did, which was highly, you know, which was great. But also just the smart of
1: it. That's why I'm 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 curious why Nike's not more upfront about this or out front about this, uh, unless they're just so cocky that they think it's not really going to affect them much. Who knows?
7: Yeah, I think that there's a little bit of that going on. But listen, to to give them the benefit of the doubt, they might have some evidence that something may have happened right. with the shoe. Maybe there's something that players are doing with shoes right. to make them looser, because uh, you know, Nikes are narrow, so right. there may have been something that the player have done to, had, did to to screw with the shoe. I just don't think he did, but it's possible. All
1: right. We've gone everywhere from space travel to uh, <laughs> to sneakers and everything in between, including a comment about Amazon. A very successful uh, conversation with Jake Novak. Jake, thank you so thank much. You. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thanks for joining us. You too. Thank you. Jake Novak. Novak now on the Nahum Siegel Network, 11 a.m. every single Monday Eastern time here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And, of course, he's down there at Cape Canaveral for one of the most significant scientific achievements in the history of the state of Israel. And that, of course, is the uh, brace sheet launch that took place last night. As we watched along, he was there, looking at it uh, live and in person, which is amazing. We watched along and took tremendous pride in Nachas, to say the least. More coming up. It's Friday at J.M. in the
0: A.M. <laughs> We are strong Son connerie, cheval,
1: in the a.m. Friday morning on this of Shabbos. That's uh, Yaakov Shweki, of course. Mehim is the name of that one here at JM in the a.m. Uh, we'll do our weekly update a couple of minutes from now. We'll start. Candle lighting at 518 in New York on this Erev Shabbos. Parshas Ki Tisa. We have Naomi Nachman coming up, episode 200 at 9 a.m. We'll speak with her toward the end of JM in the a.m. Malcolm Holline will join us in a couple of minutes. A weekly update, of course. I want to thank those who are commenting on the app. One of our listeners wants to know... How do you get? How do you get to see the Maccabees today? Well, the YU Max, the Maccabees, they have a Skyline Conference Championship semifinal playoff game at 12 noon Eastern Time today. We'll be there up at the Stern Athletic Center at Yeshiva University. You could either be there in the arena, you could be there in the gym at the Max Stern Athletic Center, starting at 12 noon Eastern Time, uh, to witness YU play Old Westbury in the semifinal, or Go to maxlive.com. M A C S Live.com. M A C S Live.com. MaxLive.com. That's how you can see the max later today. Uh, listener Devora says uh, so proud of our tiny, beautiful, and smart country. Way to go, Israel, for their amazing rocket launch. Yeah, can't argue with that. We thank everybody who's commenting on the app this morning. Much appreciated. Uh, More coming up, including the weekly update. Keep it right here at JM and the AM.
8: (Sings) sensei no cheva ga mere wa rokia i no come on girl love this is sensei no
2: Late. She ain't
0: Say no shyas. Yeah.
1: J.M. in the a.m., Friday morning, of Shabbos. That's Avram Willig with uh, Ena Nachnu. Uh, before that, the Yaakov Shweki selection. Candlelighting 518 in New York here at J.M. in the a.m. Couple of reminders. Um, first of all, thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Check them out. If you want a 1,000 articles about uh, Jewish news and issues from around the world to print out before Shabbos, go to JewishWorldReview.com. Uh, Plus, I remind you that um, Malcolm Holmline is about to join us from Israel. Always extra special. We get to speak to him while he's in Jerusalem. And I remind you that for uh, Pesach, you could join him at uh, Pesach in Puerto Vallarta. Pesach 2019 in beautiful Puerto Vallarta. There is a website, PesachinVallarta.com. PesachinVallarta.com. And there's a phone number, 786-290-5919. Again, that's 786-290-5919. I am sure in this conversation we'll be speaking about the Israeli elections. I do remind everybody that Mayor Weingarten, right here at the Malcolm Siegel Network every Monday, like he did for us earlier this morning, has a comprehensive look at the Israeli elections uh, between now and April the 9th, every single Monday between 9 and 10 Eastern time on the Israel Show here on NSN, and um, that'll give you uh, not only an amazing opportunity to uh, hear his general program, which is pretty amazing, but an amazing opportunity to hear somebody who's always watching and listening to the news from Israel describe the latest news regarding the election, so check that out and enjoy. Candle lighting time at 5.18 in New York on this era of Shabbos Parshas Kitisa this time each and every Friday morning, it is time for the weekly update. Malcolm Honline is the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us from the holy city of Jerusalem. Mr. Honline shalom. Welcome back to JM in the AM.
9: Uh, shalom, lachim. it's a pleasure to be talking to you. Well, it's, the holy it, city. it sounds like you've acclimated nicely to I that am, country. I'm trying to learn to talk like the taxi drivers, you know. <laughs>
1: You've met a lot of those, I would guess, over the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to
9: certainly tune into Mayor's uh, show, because if anybody can explain the elections to me, I would certainly welcome it. Isn't it something? In every development all night long, it's incredible. You, you can't go to sleep because you'll miss
1: something. It, it is so true, and so true. And by the way, speaking of missing something... I am sure the only regret you have about being in Israel, you will not be able to be at the Yeshiva University Maccabees' semifinal championship game today at 12 noon at the Max Stern Athletic Center as they continue to represent the Jewish people so nicely both on and off the court. I'm sure that's your only regret about being in Israel. For sure. ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh- well, we were able to we were, we were able to focus on the fact that he'll be Pesach in Puerto Vallarta. I don't know if he would have been in Washington Heights today for the game, though. That I can't guarantee anybody. Uh, but I know you do wish everybody there the best of luck. Uh, all right, speaking of luck, you need a little bit of luck to be able to fully comprehend what's happening with the Israeli election. We'll start with the news from yesterday. Uh, there is a concerted effort. I mean, now, now it's really obvious. I think you could have said this at any point in the last few months. Uh, but now it's rather obvious that there are people getting together, uh, political parties and individuals who no- would not necessarily be seen as a natural uh, partners, who are getting together specifically to try to topple the prime minister and to derail his opportunity, meaning the prime minister's opportunity, to form another uh, a government um, once the election of April the 9th is over. So let's start with that. What could you tell us about this new political relationship between Benny Gantz and... Um, and um what's lapid's first name give me a second <laughs> Yair Lapid. And Yair Lapid. thank you what can you tell us about this <laughs> development
9: so uh first of all i think you make an important point that there are people who have personal agendas national agendas people who want political change people obviously looking for power who are motivated um you know after so many years in office netanyahu has detractors um and many supporters i think it's people should be careful not to Jump on the reaction to the particular announcement or any announcement or any candidacy, or because there are blips and then they've come back down to lower levels. We saw it during the Republican primary. Remember how much there was a candidate of the day and then right. the next one and the next one. And now, with this announcement, which is very powerful, of the merger of Yair Lapid and Gantz's party with three former chiefs of staff on the top of the ticket uh, Ashkenazi and Gant himself of course and uh... boogie alone uh... so the prime minister's argument that he's the security prime minister can be challenged on those grounds Um the the numbers that are reflected now range i've seen all sorts of estimates just this morning from thirty-six seats for the new party to to thirty seats to twenty seven there are various uh, estimates on, on uh, what could would be. It will be a hotly contested race. Uh, I, I, I am concerned about when it gets this tight and this close that many things happen. There are all sorts of mergers going on with smaller parties. Everybody had to do it yesterday because they had to file the lists yesterday. That was the deadline. That's why they had the overnight sessions and everybody uh, cooking it up until the, the last minute. Um, And then there are reports people like Elias Shai running alone. Many veterans are gone. Uh, Many of the people that traditionally, uh, foreigners, Americans who who had been in Knesset, will largely be gone. Um, And we'll see which new ones get added. But clearly it's going to be very contested. Um, We'll see if the new right party of Bennett is able to coalesce together with the Old Bayat Yehudi, with Otsman, the Likud, under the Likud's leadership, will the right bloc get to 60? It's not just what they get. The real key is who can present a coalition government of 60 votes, 61, to have a majority in the Knesset. And that means the Arabs as well have to say that they will support one or the other, or they stay out. And... um I think that there are two Arab parties running now. Some consolidated, and a lot of the older people decided not to run. Uh, so there will be new faces. I think the liquid list is considered a strong one, with Yuli Stein and Saar and Erdogan and others at the uh, cats at the top of the list. Um, but they're going to be they're going to be in for a very tough fight. And there's also the element of fatigue. You know that you've had the same party in power for ten years, um, but. Judging my cab drivers, I think Netanyahu is stronger than the polls indicate. Speaking to people, I think that it will be a toss-up, but give it a chance. Let's see how, that when the dust settles on the new party, what people, whether people will go for what they know. And by and large, I think the economy is doing pretty well. Certainly the security is, is doing pretty well, is, is good. And the challenges are great. Uh, I hope I have a chance to talk about what we witnessed when we went to, down to the south amazing things sure. uh, and on the north so it's it's a it's a, a transitional period I think within the election and too much too early to make predictions
1: the um, Rafi Peretz is now the head of Baidu D correct right and he's so now, so now there is an official By a Houdini could arrangement, would that be a good way of saying it? That there is is a. There
9: is an understanding between them, right. Right. And, well, people should understand because the system is so far into Americans where we're used to two parties. Well, it's actually moving towards that again here, where you have the two blocks, the two major blocks, and others are. Marginal, more or less, they become contributors. If it's in if the numbers are tight, they become more important, and then leverage their positions. But even from merits from the left or other parties from the right became uh, more marginalized. And you have two major blocks: the the, um, the blue and white, yeah, your La block and the Likud uh, block on the on the right. But the people don't understand that if you don't get three and a half percent of the votes, your votes are lost. Right. You, you don't get anything. it's not like they shift us. so they make deals within parties, so two parties say whoever has the most votes in order for the for those votes not to be lost by being under the threshold then they they come together, and many parties do that um to to in order to save the votes and people not feel that their you know voters they're going in there and vote for a party that the polls show will not make it uh then uh, this way, at least, their votes will still count. But
1: but degrees. from the but from the other perspective, meaning the perspective of the major party, right? We understand why a smaller party, as you just explained, would want to be part of that coalition. But Netanyahu, for instance, brings in Bayat Yehudi or makes guarantees to, uh, you know, to other smaller parties, including you know Baruch Marzel, etc. Because he he desperately at this point, especially looking at blue and whites numbers, he he has to do whatever he can to bring a significant number together with this coalition right i made this point to mayor earlier this morning and i'm not sure i'm right about this and he's also not sure i'm right about it but it, it seems that right now let's say the polls are right for a second it seems right now if it was april 9th and that you know margin would be as large as they're predicting right now 36 to 30 or 37 or whatever it is I, I i think with those types of numbers it would be hard for the president of israel not to give blue and white an opportunity to form a government. And now Netanyahu has no choice but to try to stem that tide and and make those numbers you know between the right and left coalitions as close as possible. Would that be the, the reason behind this strategy of reaching out to those smaller parties the way he is right yeah, now?
9: Absolutely, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And the uh, the uh, concern on part of many in good is that Rivlin, whose relationship with Netanyahu is not good, right. uh, would not hesitate to give the other side a chance to form the party. Uh, but he will go it, do it, I think, straight by the numbers, and then whoever can show that you know that he has to call in the heads of all the parties and ask them who they're going to go with. And whoever it looks apparent like could could be able to form a government. It doesn't mean that you have the most votes. We've had times when Labor had more votes. Right. Well, more seats in the Knesset, but it was Likud who could put together the coalition and therefore had the government. But again, as and I it,
1: remember that, that was by the slimmest of margins, like a 32-30 or 31-30, like that. It's was, always very close. Right. Absolutely. It, it, it was not like they're predicting right now. So if anybody wonders why Netanyahu is courting people like those that they are referring to as Kahana's students or Bayat Yudi, et cetera, that is the reason. And, and interestingly enough, um, the, the, it's very possible that if blue and white, just like we've seen in the past from the quote-unquote left, that if they do get more votes and a significant number of more seats, it's still very possible that to the naked eye, they're not going to be able to form a government. They're not going to be able to you know, to come up with another g- block or group that's going to get them to 60 or over. But nonetheless, as you just pointed out, because of the the atmosphere now in Israeli politics, especially between the president and prime minister, that may not matter. He still may go ahead and as a default give an opportunity to the left to do so.
9: But remember, the Arabs don't have to join the government in order to say that they will favor a government formed by any of the parties. Uh, that. So those, those votes still count in that regard.
1: You don't and, need to get to 61 officially? You can get to
5: 61
9: unofficially? No, but meaning... No, 61 who say that they will support this government. Right. They don't have to be in the government in order to do it, and some of the religious parties... You know, voted with, with the coup doesn't mean that they necessarily had to go into the government and be part of the government. There's some parties that have a, a a policy not to do so.
1: I didn't even realize that. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm calling unofficial, so to speak. Like you just said, you know, voting with them without really being part of it. That would be enough for uh, for the left to form. It's an interesting time, I'll tell you. And, and I, I assume Prime Minister Netanyahu saw this coming. In the last, I know it's it's sudden as politics goes, but still, the last week or two, there were some indications this would happen. Right?
9: There were indications that there were negotiations going on, and the last minute it broke off, and then it it came back. I think it surprised everybody that they were able to pull it off at the last minute, right. though there were ongoing negotiations and discussions, and you know this rotational prime minister foreign minister uh, agreement. Um, a lot of people don't believe it works. It was tried before. It, it's very complicated, and if they and then there's talk of a national unity government between the Likud and them, um, that too would become more complicated. Will you have a rotation between Netanyahu and um, Gantz, or between Gantz, Netanyahu, and Lapid? Um, I mean, it would be very complicated in any in any event. It's so the nature of Israeli politics. Right. By the systems way, systems are, that's are why more complicated.
1: that's why we re- we really shouldn't even call it the Lapid side. We really should call it the Gan side. He gets the first shift, right? He gets the first two and a half years. He gets the first shift. right? Yeah, and then it would be Lapid if the go- I mean, does Lapid even think that a government can last, you know, three four years in Israel? Which is interesting in, in itself. You know whether whether in fact he, he could even serve for those full two and a half. And we know how Israeli politics usually goes. And um, and then the reaction of Prime Minister Netanyahu. Uh, here's the quote. We have been through this twice before. Left-wing generals posing as right-wingers. They talk about national unity, then turn over to government to the policies of the left. In 1992, we got Yitzhak Rabin, the disaster of Oslo. 99, Barak, and the second intifada. Suicide bombings on buses, and over 1,000 Israelis killed. And then he continues, when I'm prime minister, you're not afraid of getting on a bus or sitting at restaurants. I mean, I know that he plays the security card. This, I, I think he overdid the drop on this. What do you think of his reaction?
9: It's politics. It's it's nothing. Nothing is unusual or out of the bounds in these days. I mean, there are a lot of things being said, and I frankly have made public statements uh, urging that people be careful because this is going to be a heated race. That they should um, uh, people should should be careful, politicians, leaders, because whatever they say in Israel, there's a megaphone to the United States
1: and the rest of the world.
9: And the rest of the world, of course, but um, right now I was just thinking in terms of um, the U.S., where you get so much reporting, and the Europeans too, and I should say, who cover everything. I mean, there's so much coverage of the race here in the European media that I see here in Israel. Uh, you know, it, it's surprising because they don't cover races in other countries in the way that they do uh, with such uh, depth here. And the the um, yeah, so anything. That is said, I think people should be careful. They should censor themselves, be sensitive to to what the words mean abroad, because the election will come and go, but the impressions last. And then, the, you know, these words will be used again and again against Israel.
1: America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world the on the web at com on the Siegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved... NSN app. All right now, now you gotta now you gotta give us uh, some inside information, Malcolm. Uh, you know that last Friday you told us that early this week uh, you and the group conference of president would get presentations from a whole variety of political figures, government officials, etc. In Israel, tell us how that went.
9: Uh, it actually went very well. It was led by Netanyahu and President Rivlin and Bennett and others spoke. Um, and they're very articulate. And Netanyahu gave a 35-minute address with charts, with you know in-depth information about the economy, about other things. Um, it was a very confident uh, Netanyahu. Uh, I think that the um, you know the election certainly was an overlay, but we didn't let it dominate the discussions, which dealt with all of the domestic issues, international issues. Uh, We spent time with the new mayor of Jerusalem and the Jerusalem City Council and toured the hot spots of Jerusalem, which is really quite remarkable when you're reminded of E1 and all the areas that that are being challenged, how close they are and what the real reality on the ground is. Uh, And we went to the Mount of Olives. Minister Elkin and others joined us for a review of what was happening there. Uh, and we went to the south where we saw, for the first time, the first group ever to be invited to the Air Force Base with f 35s and to see them and meet the pilots and even see a takeoff, which is extremely powerful. We also uh, were briefed at um, the rain base by the deputy commander of the Gaza. And then at the border, we went actually to the border, and again, our first time, and we saw the construction of the barrier. And now, what image you have of it, what you think it is so impressive and so overwhelming, and you see the machinery Israel had to buy, and what kept going through my head is, how does this little country afford all these things? Unbelievable. They have to buy these jets. They have to buy the they're building bases, and this is such a complex thing, building this. <clears throat> it's largely concrete above the ground, and then 100 meters below ground, steel and concrete uh, barriers to stop the tunnels. And to protect the, you know, the kibbutzim and the communities that are on the other side. I mean, they literally come within meters of the of the, the border. And the, you know, the riots every Friday, the continuing flying of kites and, and balloons and the other threats, again, not to be dismissed because they do incredible amounts of damage, let alone when rockets are fired. And to see all the infrastructure and all the things, and then during the week to see the other side, how much is being invested—the high tech, the the educational programs, the um, the challenges in the region, the good and bad, and opportunities that exist. Israel's outreach to the world—we had every possible perspective that you can imagine in the course of a, of a day. And we had at the Foreign Ministry six concurrent sessions, the presenters about all of the issues that are, are are likely and are now and are likely to be on the tops of our agenda, uh, and a panel of uh, Sharansky and Daniel Gordas and Rosner, I mean, to see the quality of minds, the thinking, uh, a lot of concern about relationships with American Jewry and the Asperger jury generally, uh, to see panels of people who are talking about Israel's future, who are thinking into the future already, I mean, really incredible. To to um, we've had, of course, the Knesset Foreign Affairs and Defense Committee and and people from uh, the Yuli Edelstein, the Speaker of the Knesset, and the U.S. Special Envoy, um, Mladenov. So people got a complete perspective. But you, when you get it in this concentrated dose, you realize the complexity of Israel's situation, the many challenges, the uh, incredible things that are being done, and the opportunities to do much more especially in concert of, with American uh, jury and, to a lesser degree, European jury.
1: Residents of the, of the small cities, uh, towns that you alluded to along the border must be thrilled. That might be the wrong word, uh, but you get my point, uh, that, that, that this whole process is being accelerated in terms of the barrier. Uh, some of those tunnel, yeah. t- some of those tunnels ended up in their own backyards, as as we've discussed on the air. So,
9: and and are so sophisticated, and so we were shown some of the inside films about the discoveries in the north and things that, uh, and the extent that they are the 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 um, techno- technology involved with electricity, air conditioning, communication systems in them, and and they are literally in their backyards. I mean, it's not you're not yeah. talking big distances. When you, when you actually see it on the ground, and we, we ended up in Beersheba that night and had an, a really wonderful dinner. and We even heard from some of the Bedouin leaders, we heard from the university president, to see how much is happening. And again, anywhere you go, anywhere, in Yerushalayim, on the outskirts of Jerusalem today, on, in, in the Negev, you see cranes everywhere, building everywhere. Everywhere, every city in in Be'er Sheva, tremendous development that's going on. We met at the Water Employment Center and see what programs are going on to attract young people to find employment for those who live there. Uh, But new housing going up and and suburban villages around it, uh, communities around it, everywhere. I mean, in Yushalayim, you look out of the top floor of the hotel and and you see the national bird, the crane, everywhere. Pretty
1: amazing. Uh, Malcolm Homeline from Jerusalem. Uh, one of the other things you, in this review, which I just loved, that, that you went through everything that you were able to experience on this on this mission. Uh, one of the things that really scares me is what you just mentioned about the the relationship uh, between Jews in Israel and Jews of the diaspora. Uh, now, in 2019, I think we're experiencing something that likely our parents and grandparents never experienced before. Um, and that is the, the, what seems to be more of a divide uh, in certain areas. Uh, the more Jews become politically inclined in this country, I think they're becoming more and more entrenched with certain types of candidates and policies, m- many of them um, different than what Jews who live in Israel, and especially Anglos who live in Israel, would prefer.
9: It, it worries me. It concerns me. And I know that this is what... Con- it should concern you, but let me give you some comfort. I'm going to cite a poll... That said, compared to 5 to 10 years ago, do you feel more positive, negative, or about the same towards Israel? The result is 55% the same, 26% more positive. So together, that's 81%, and 19% said more negative. And and more people said they felt more positive about Israel now than said uh, the other, contrary to people's uh, image. And they asked them, do you feel the expansion of Israeli settlements make you feel... Positive about uh, Israel. Negative result. 48% said it had no impact. 32% negative. 19% positive. And guess who did the survey? Yeah. J Street. So anybody who thinks this was a right wing thing, J Street poll done in 2018. And uh, I I think that that should give uh, a source of comfort, not because of J Street, but because you know that this is not a result they necessarily were looking for. But uh, I think it's, it's really uh, a remarkable statement. And so while we know of the disaffection and there are real problems and we have to reach out to our young people, we have to do much more in terms of education. Both sides have to be educated about the other. The fact is that those numbers tell a
1: different story. Uh, the, the point then being, no matter what the dissension might be now, bottom line, or push come to shove, American jury in the majority is going to be there for Israel. I assume that's the point, right?
9: Yeah, that is definitely a point. And I think, uh, uh, moreover, they, they looked last night at the space launch. They have pride in Israel. When they see that uh, Israel, Israel could be the fourth country to land on the moon, when they see so many things that, uh, that happen, and even the election shows that Israel is a vibrant democracy where everybody can vote, and the uh you know they look around the world and you see the problems that communities everywhere are having with the growth of antisemitism the sharp increase in antisemitism and the threats coming from Iran and and how other countries like Venezuela are are suffering under it we we look at Israel and say look with all of the problems with all the incredible challenges that that they face now from uh, every border Look at how, what they've done and, and carrying all of this incredible uh, expense. The challenges are really real. The the um, Israelis now think that the Syrian S-300 air defense system is probably operational. And we, we've seen the the um, story about the ISIS fighters who flee into Iraq with hundreds of millions of dollars but are still intact. And of course, while Israel's not their primary target, it is certainly one of them and the the uh, the the challenge of iran and all of its manifestations whether it's the recent meeting between putin uh, erdogan of turkey and uh, the president rahani of iran coming together and and talking about working together and what their ultimate designs can't be ones that that we're going to be um very happy with in and these developments And the Iranians are, are um, uh, you know, being more and more threatening, more visible with their threats, their presence in in Africa, which we saw last week, and the threat perceived by many leaders. But certainly, their presence in in South America and the aggressiveness and the formation of these um, coalitions. It is very frightening about what the future is but the strongest party and the one carrying all the others in the middle east today all of our other allies is israel
1: yeah which is unbelievable uh what happened this week with poland and israel
9: so the situation has deteriorated a little bit because the foreign minister also made some comments quoting something shamir said the fight is over the law Uh, And Netanyahu made a comment about it on the plane, and that was picked up, and the the prime minister of Poland uh, canceled his visit as part of the Visegrad group that was supposed to come. But uh, uh, I'll I'll just say something on that in a second. But the the fight is over the law in Poland that says you can't say Polish uh, concentration camps or about Polish complicity that you have to say it it was German concentration camps imposed on, and it's true, many Poles were victims and many Poles were righteous, but many Poles were complicit, and that is uh, something that would be punishable. So the summit of the Visegrad group um, stopped after Poland withdrew to protest uh, these comments, but I should note that Hungary is going to open a trade office in Jerusalem, and the leaders of other countries in the Visegrad um, group did decide to come to Israel despite the, uh, the, the these tensions, and a large group of them were here, and several uh, people announced intentions to uh, Slovakia's Prime Minister. Uh, Pellegrini uh, announced the opening of a cultural and trade center in, in Jerusalem, and all these are supposedly precursors to the opening of an embassy uh, god willing before too long
1: are american troops as opposed to what the prime with the prime minister are american troops as opposed to what the president of the united states originally said actually staying in syria
9: uh, are they say it again the american troops
1: it seems like the president trump who had said the american troops are withdrawing from Syria. Mm-hmm. Now now in fact a certain number are going to remain and on top of that other countries have been asked to voluntarily participate and keep a coalition of troops there as well.
9: That's true. We have asked others and they have not agreed to do so. Uh the American presence there is very vital, even though it's a small number of troops and it'll be a stage withdrawal probably, and we still will have our air force which is of primary importance. Uh but the physical presence is very important and we see the designs. That's part of what I was talking about, Iran. Design let 's say in Syria, and working to establish control over bigger areas, uh, replacing the population with uh, Shuni, Sunni, the Sunni population with Shiite um, uh, people uh, which changes then the whole uh, complexion and something that we have discussed here uh, quite ex- extensively uh, with uh, experts, military and security, and other experts about all of these challenges in the region, so the American presence. Is seen as a symbolic gesture on one part, you know, very important statement of our commitment, uh, U.S. commitment, and the um, uh, president's indication that he wants to withdraw uh, U.S. troops. So we have to see if it, if it in fact is implemented, what what substitutes? How do we support our allies? Do we abandon them? Do the Kurds then turn to the Russians or to to others? Uh, for for an alliance because they know they can't stand alone against uh, these forces. It's a, it is a situation, Great Fox and, and America's role there is uh, very critical.
5: What do you think
1: of the uh, German president? I, I don't know, it's being painted as praise, but acknowledging the Iranian revolution, one, of course, that has led to the situation now in the Middle East.
9: It's disturbing, especially coming from Germany, the same week when the French president, Macron, says that anti is a modern form of anti-Semitism and um, that they will take steps to define it officially. You have the president of Germany saluting the biggest anti-Semitic country and the one that, that engages most in, in the denial of Israel's right to exist. Uh, and and it is disturbing. It, it is, there's nothing to salute from the revolution. Uh, there's nothing to celebrate. For the people just looking in january i think there were between 250 and 300 demonstrations against the iranian government because people are fed up with the the conditions and with the situation and the united states is continuing to add uh, sanctions we're also doing them against turkey it looks like um the president to week blocked the sale of the f-35 to turkey because they're going ahead with the purchase of the russian s-400 missile defense system and the uh, United States, and as an, a member of NATO, Turkey, uh, has been warned repeatedly that the, uh, com- the S-400 S- compromises their defense systems. It gives them the Russians ability to spy on everything, to get information on everything that is going on. And so we suspended uh, uh, the delivery of, of our weapons. But the, the growth in Europe, the numbers in Europe, are continued to be astounding. The desecration of '80 tombstones in France, and then the big demonstration uh, to respond to it. It's very nice. There are demonstrations, but we have to have much more. It has to be much more concerted action. We have to find out who's doing it. They've got to be prosecuted and held to account, and we have to start Putting ourselves on the line and the French, French Jews turned, uh, French people, but many Jews also turned down in the many thousands for a demonstration against anti-Semitism is very important.
1: By the way, by the way, I mean, you're in Israel, but I'm sure you heard what happened last Shabbos in Brooklyn. Um, mm-hmm. People have asked me if, in fact, being very impressed, by the way, with the organized Jewish community and the president of France uh, doing what they did last week or this week, uh, people have asked me, should there be some type of rally, some type of, uh, uh, you know, leadership get-together, uh, in addition to what to what Mayor de Blasio did, uh, in the Brooklyn area, in the New York area, in the United States in general, to respond to those types of attacks? Are we looking at those as—and I know that you don't always address local stuff, but are we looking at those as isolated episodes? Or would you prefer if, in fact, we took to the streets with some words uh, about support for the Jewish community?
9: So uh, they may be isolated but they're not unrelated that there is an atmosphere here and if people feel that it's open season then no matter the most minor incident or a major one, whether a cemetery, a synagogue, or an individual it all are very serious, I, I, I take them all very seriously I do hope that we will have a national manifestation which we are working on um, and as somebody who has more, brought more people into the streets for Demonstrations, probably than anybody, uh, I believe very strongly in it. But it has to be done right, and we have to know the target. We have to know who who are we addressing. What is it we want to change, and and it has to be a success. It has to be an overwhelming expression. And so, we are looking at various options. And I have talked to many of the most important people in, the, in our country uh, about it. And I found generally broad support. We all feel frustrated, you know, and and individual incidents are like a dripping faucet. So each drop yeah. is lost, but you, you get used to it, and then you need a stronger flow of water, and stronger, stronger. That's the lesson of history. We, we have seen that repeatedly. And you've got to stand up. And I have to say, the new legislation, we saw Congress overwhelmingly pass legislation. Uh, we met with Elon Carr while during our conference, the new special envoy and he is really a terrific spokesman and committed to 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 fighting it. and you have Ken Marcus. we have others in the administration who are um, you know working on this uh, Senator Brownback, who deals with religious freedom is a, also a great friend uh, so you know there is a commitment. Congress certainly has expressed it in these overwhelming votes backing anti bDS measures but and, and it's true on the state and local levels, and there we see those who are trying to argue that it limits freedom of speech. This is not so. It certainly has been addressed in, in many in many places. The legislation, even in Congress, was adjusted. And still, some people, including a senator from New York, does not has not come out in support of it. It's not acceptable. We have to have absolute standards where people have to put themselves on the line. And it's not just to come out and say we, that we decry anti-Semitism, maybe even anti-Zionism. I want them to stand up and say we're going to prosecute, we're going to legislate, we're going to denounce, we're going to go after those in universities that tolerate it are going to be held to account. And law law uh, people who legislate, people who enforce the law, all have a role to play here.
1: Listen, um, based on what you're saying, it it sounds like you're anticipating some type of national expression uh, of all this sometime in the first half of 2019. Would that be an accurate way of putting it? Very accurate. Okay, good. That's great to know. And certainly keep us up to date on that. We're way behind schedule, but i got to ask you two quick things. What do you think of Luciana's uh, resignation from the Labor Party in Great Britain?
9: A very important statement. Uh, sent shockwaves. I watched some of the British news to, to see the reaction and the fact that you've had breakaways of large blocks of voters from from uh, the party, but the very fact that there was a poll done and showed that 35% of the voters see Corbyn as an anti-Semite, right. then they should get him the hell out of there. They right. shouldn't be running. Right. It's not enough just to say we, we denounce him and what these individual members made uh, did is an important statement. We should not uh, diminish it. That's important, because it's a courageous step to say, I'm leaving the party I'm and I'm putting myself on the line. But, but it's outrageous that this guy still can remain as head of the Labor Party.
5: Right,
1: understood. And finally, Tzipi Livni leaving Israeli politics. Any reaction?
9: Um, well, it's an interesting development. Uh, I think it's largely situations uh, she often created for herself. Uh, and uh, I, I did not see you know, immense mourning or reaction to her departure.
1: <laughs> that's, that's probably accurate. Um, next week, back in the United States, correct? God willing. And good luck to Yeshiva University today, Malcolm. Absolutely. <laughs> do, yes. us, do, us, <laughs> do us proud, Yeshiva University, Maccabees, as I'm sure you will. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joined us from Israel, Jerusalem, on this Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. 22 minutes after 8 o'clock. It is a Friday morning broadcast. I want to remind you as we go to Rabbi Yudin that there is a major celebration coming up, and we hope everybody out there will be there on the 7th of April. If you're not there on the 7th of April, you could certainly donate in honor of Rabbi Yudin, especially those of you who've been listening to Rabbi Yudin during any part of the last 35, 37 years. Uh, Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn has its uh, 50th Anniversary celebration of Rabbi Benjamin and Chevy Yudin's dynamic leadership at Shumri Torah. It's happening up at the Atrium Ballroom in Muncie on Sunday, April the 7th. Again, it's 50 years that Rabbi and and uh, Yudin have been there in Farallon. And if you go to the website, you'll see. They, they love for everybody to participate, to be there. If you can't be there, they would love for everybody to donate and be part of it. It's very simple. Just go to the website, YudinTribute.org. Yudin, tribute. Dot org. This time each every Friday, every of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin.
10: Good morning, Nachum, good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kisisa. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Kisisa contains 12 mitzvahs, excuse me, 9 four positive, and five restrictions. And what you have in Parsha's Kisisa as well is the sin of the Egel Hazav, the golden calf, which as a concept does not get easier from year to year, that we struggle with trying to understand how just 40 days After they have received the Torah and revelation at Sinai, are they able to worship the golden calf? I'd like, however, to focus this morning on a few of the most challenging psukim in the Torah, whereby after Hashem has agreed to restore the relationship between himself and Klal Yisrael, we find that Moshe asks Hashem, HaReinina Eskvodecha, which literally means, let me see your glory, let me see your Essence. And this is found towards the end of Perik Lamid Gimel, the end of chapter 33, starting with Pasuk 19 through Pasuk 23. Our rabbis understand that when Moshe says, let me see you, Hashem, he's not asking to see literally, because like every school child knows, that Hashem is incorporeal. Hashem has no body. By definition, if He had a body as large as it would be, it would still be limiting X amount of billion watt, and that's where it would end. And given that He is Ein Sof, He is unlimited, so too... By definition, he has no body. So if Moshe says, I'd like to see you, what he's meaning is, I'd like to understand you. Like a math teacher might ask the class, do you see the problem? He's not asking if their glasses are working. He's asking if they understand the problem. Similarly, Moshe is asking, according to the Gemara Brachos, Tav Zion, Ahmed Aleph, at the bottom, Moshe is asking, I don't understand how Tzaddik Viralo, Russia Vitovlo, that oftentimes it appears as if the righteous are suffering and the wicked have it so good and easy. And what does Hashem answer him? Hashem answers Moshe in Pasuk, Chav Gimel, the last Pasuk, in chapter 33, I will pass over you and es you will see my back, Ufana'i lo yiro'u, but my face may not be seen, you will not see my face. What does this mean? God has no back, he has no face. The Chassam Sofer says very powerfully that what the Torah is telling us is that you will not see my face, meaning that while events are occurring right now in the world, very often we cannot understand why they're happening. We cannot appreciate at the time that Hashem is the one who is actually putting into effect whatever is happening. However, with time, you will come to realize and appreciate that and see my hand in history. That Hashem is the one who controls history and the destiny, the destiny of all of mankind, and specifically the destiny of Klael Yisrael. This is a very powerful idea, seeing God in the everyday, but it must be accompanied by a very strong sense of emuna and bitachon, of faith, because, once again, we don't always understand as things are happening, why they're happening. And the truth of the matter is, if we did understand, we would not be human at that point there. We would be God. This past week, Tuesday and Wednesday, was Purim Katan. I'd like to, first of all, very quickly, why did we observe Purim Katan this past week because really if you think about it when there are two Adars and the reason that we have seven years that are leap years out of a 19 year cycle is to adjust the lunar and solar calendars meaning that the first mitzvah given in Parsha's bow first mitzvah given in the land of Egypt to the Jewish people is that you are to have a unique calendar. And what is that? On the one hand, it is a lunar calendar. And we follow the moon, and we have months of 29 or 30 days. There's no February of 28 days, and there's no months of 31 days. 29 thirty. However, the lunar calendar is 11 days shorter than the solar calendar. And so, if we only had the lunar calendar falling back 11 days a year, could, after seven, eight years, 77, 88 days from when we started in Nisan in the springtime, what would happen is in future years, Pesach, could fall in the winter, Pesach can fall in the summer. To prevent that, as the Torah demands the Pesach be in the springtime, seven out of 19 years are leap years. Okay, so we have to have two Adars. Interestingly, why Adar? Because in the third chapter of Megillus Esther, talking about the decree of Haman. So, we are told that the decree went out to, God forbid, annihilate the Jews in the 13th day of Chodesh name Asar, the 12th month, which is identified as Huchodesh Adar. Okay, so I need two months in order to have our... Calendar in sync. Okay, if I were to ask anybody of the two Adar, first or second, when should we observe Purim? So the Talmud says, what do you mean, when should you observe Purim? Mitzvah Boliotcha al-tachmitsenah. A mitzvah which comes your way, don't delay. However, there is an overriding factor which the Talmud suggests as to why we do observe Purim, not in the first, but in the second, and that is lismoch ke'ula l'ke'ula, namely, that we want to juxtapose and put one next to the other the holiday of Purim and the holiday of Pesach. Why? Because just as the holiday of Pesach is a miracle, which is supernatural, when Each of the ten plagues affected the Egyptians and did not affect the Jewish people, the splitting of the Red Sea. All this was for sure an obvious miracle. So too, having Purim next to Pesach, we juxtapose one salvation, one miracle next to the other, telling us that the Purim story the Megillus Esther, is no less a miracle. Wait a minute. Chapter 1, Ahasuerus has Vashti killed. I'll ask you, is that a miracle? Probably happened very frequently in those days and throughout history. Secondly, that an attractive woman called Esther becomes the queen Is that a miracle? And we'll go from chapter to chapter, and we'll ask you, where is the miracle? And the answer is, whoa, looking back at history, looking back at the ten chapters, going one after another, now you can see the hand of God in history. And that is such an important nekuda, such an important point. And I'd like to share with you, once we're talking about uh, Purim, so wait a second, why did we observe Purim Katan? And the answer is because as soon as we come to the 14th of Adar and the 15th of Adar, the days that are celebrated as Purim for the entire Jewish world, and then Purim for cities which were surrounded by a wall at the time of the Purim miracle, as soon as we come to the day, fourteen and 15th of Adar, we are reminded of the essence of Purim. The observance of Purim is in the second month, but the message of Purim, the indestructibility of the Jewish people, God's role in history and nature and his concern for specifically Klal Yisrael. this is something we cannot avoid but to note and once we note it, we celebrate it. We celebrate it by, not recitation of Tachanon, we celebrate it by not being permitted to fast and to enjoy the day. And through our physical enjoying of the day, we remind ourselves of the spiritual essence of the day. I'd like to share with you a very Powerful um, teaching of the Vilna Gaon. Once we're talking about Purim, go and open up Megillah's Esther and ask yourself, what are we being taught in the second verse of the Megillah? The first verse, Vahibim Echashvei Rosh, teaches us who is, forgive me, one of the major players in the story, Achashvei Rosh. He's the king over 127 provinces. Now, in the third verse, we're told, as we get on with the story, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast, and we go on from there. What are we told by Yomimahem on those days when the king was sitting on Kise Malchuso, his royal throne, which was in Shushan, Habira, which was in Shushan, the capital. The Vilna builds an incredible skyscraper on this verse. And he says as follows, wait a second, Shushan, the capital, all the kings before him had the capital in Bavel. Why is all of a sudden now the capital in Shushan? And more important, why are we talking about, by definition, if he's a king? Of course a king sits on a throne. Why mention he's sitting on Kisei Malchuso, on his royal throne? And he gives a fantastic answer. And he says that Ahasuerus was so into himself that he ordered craftsmen to construct a throne similar to that of King Solomon. And it was a work which took no less than three years to do, and when it was completed, the throne was so heavy, they could not move the throne where it was made in Shushan and bring the throne to Babel. So, I don't have to tell you what this, quote, brilliant king did. Instead of saying, okay, I'll visit it once in a while, no, he moved the entire capital from Bavel to Shushan, so he can sit on that royal throne. Imagine a president becoming president of the United States and saying, okay, the White House is nice, but the house that I have in whichever state far away, that is so much nicer. I'm moving the entire capital to that state so I can live in, quote, that house. That's exactly what happened over here. Why, says the Vilna Gone, that akurish Baruch is Sibuvim. We see God in history. Why did this happen? This happened because who was in Shushan? Mordechai, a was in Shushan. Who was in Shushan? Esther, who becomes Esther Amalekah. So because they were there on the scene when the decree came to God forbid, annihilate the Jews, they were there on the spot to respond, and the rest, as we know, is history. It's this concept of the es Achorai. We only see God after the fact. Oh, now we can appreciate that which happened. But as, once again, it's happening, we cannot appreciate it. However, we must learn this very, very important lesson of history as we say every day, at least three times a day, in our Shmona Esrei, thank you, Hashem, for our lives, which are literally given over to your hands, our souls that are entrusted to you, and the miracles that you perform for us every single day. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. in the A.M.
1: My thanks, Rabbi Udin for those inspiring words. I do remind everybody that Rabbi and Rebitzin Udin are being honored. The tribute dinner is happening on Sunday, April the 7th, celebrating Rabbi Benjamin and Rebetzin Shevi Yudin's 50 years of dynamic leadership at Shomri Torah in Fairlawn and really in so many other places on this globe. It's happening up at the atrium on April the 7th. Please, please go to the website, yudintribute.org, and uh, make your reservations. If you're not able to be there, certainly donate in honor of the Yudins, especially if you're one of those people who's been listening for the last 35-plus years to Rabbi Yudin on our program. Uh, yudintribute.org, yudintribute.org. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parsha's Kitisa. It's candle lighting at 518 here in New York. 5.18. 5.18. Uh, not quite sure what candle lighting is in your area, but wherever you are, make sure you know when things start so you can get things going at the appropriate time. Everything will be pushed off about an hour uh, this morning. Uh, our um, Erev Shabbat show with uh, Mark Zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at KEDEM. will start at 11 o'clock. Harry Rothenberg video blog and Parsha's Ketisa at 2 o'clock. Erev Shabbos music mix right after that brought to you by the wonderful people at KEDEM. All of this because... Naomi Nachman has a supersized 200th anniversary episode show, which is going to air between 9 and 11 a.m. right after JM and the a.m. This is the show that Naomi did this week from Atlanta, Georgia. She visited a place that we visited a few weeks back uh, before the Kosher Halftime Show, and uh, that's uh, the great city of Atlanta with its wonderful community, and she got to experience the warmth of the spicy peach with Jody and Lydia and company down in Atlanta Naomi Nachman Mazal tov to you And welcome back To JM in the AM
11: Hi Nachman How are you?
1: Baruch Hashem I said very early This morning When I was referencing Your trip to Atlanta That 200's A pretty big number Pretty amazing To be at 200 episodes At this point
11: It's crazy I can I can't believe it. 200 shows. The first show aired January 31st, 2013, and here we are a little bit more than seven years later.
1: Unbelievable. The whole thing is incredible. Uh, Now, you know what we thought of our journey to Atlanta a few weeks ago. How did your journey to Atlanta go this week?
3: It was
11: probably the longest day of my life. (laughs) (laughs) We left the house at like Four in the morning. I met Yoni at the airport and we flew. Pretty things went really smooth. We got there. We got there in enough time to set up. We had such an amazing time. And then unfortunately, we got had a little bit of bad weather coming home. So,
5: yeah, well, um,
1: you know, things don't always go perfectly <laughs> when it comes to the airlines. But thank God the show went well. And it sounds like, and again, remember everybody, this is the show that you're going to hear just under 20 minutes from now on the Nakam Single Network. Plus, you'll be able to see it. On NahumSiegel.com. It sounds like you had a nice crowd. You met a lot of people, a lot of folks interested in your uh, most recent cookbook. And uh, in general, it just sounds like it was a great visit to the Spicy Peach.
11: It was a great visit. Firstly, Jodi Tipora and Lydia are the warmest people. You know, you talk about the Southern charm. Yep. They totally are full of Southern charm. It was just so nice. We walk in, tea, coffee, drinks, <laughs> sandwiches. You know, they have that sandwich bar at the front. We just. We just settled in, got our stuff done, like they shopped around the store with me. They have things that we cannot get in New York.
1: I know. A lot of great barbecue sauces, right? <laughs>
11: uh, barbecue sauces. I bought like Harry Potter butterscotch soda. <laughs> I bought that back for my kids. That's nice. <laughs> I put it in my, I only had carry-on, but I checked my carry-on so I could bring it back because we can't get that here and just fascinating what they have in the store. A lot of products that we know, natural and kosher cheeses, by the way, which sponsor the show as Correct.
1: I should mention that, natural and kosher, big shout-out to them. And, and who were among your guests? Who were some of the people you spoke to down okay, there? Okay,
11: so so it's I just posted the list uh, um, on my Instagram page and on my Facebook page, so I'm actually going to go to make sure I don't miss anybody. So we had an incredible lineup that I have to say jo- uh, Jody really helped put together because she's the, you know, the man on the ground, so to speak, over there. Um, So she knew, you know, and I knew, I knew a few people. So we started off with Sarah Fagy Berkowitz. We know each other through the Mishpacha magazine. And she's like a holistic eater. She's very healthy, very clean. And she bought me a green smoothie (laughs) to to drink on Sunday. Everyone was like, is she really going to drink that? And it was delicious. I love them. Um, So it was super delicious. We took, you know, we spoke to her for a couple of minutes. Um, and then we had um, uh, a young man. I'm blanking out his name for a 2nd or It'll come to me. He makes uh, boards.
1: Oh, those are the cheese boards.
11: Those are the, the actual boards. Right. Right. He makes them out of wood. They were stunning really really stunning and he actually gave me one the one I'm holding on my Instagram page that people can check out later is the one he gave me as a gift which was really a nice surprise all
1: these people were live in person in Atlanta
11: and they came in person we had different people come and hang out and, and it was just people said there the whole time they bought if they already owned my books they bought the books that to the, for me to sign if they didn't have the books they were buying them there it was so nice um, then we had Roberta Shore. From um, Kosher Eye, she's actually been um, the host of Kosher Feast for many years back in New York, um, but she actually is from Atlanta, and her grandson is the rapper that you had. Sammy K. Sammy K, is the, that's his grandmother. Cool. I didn't know that until the show. Cool. So um and then we had um Bourbon and Schmaltz Ila, uh, Alex Edov. he's been on the sh- on table for too many times and one that we did not go make um he was also at the the one of our big live shows so he was great um and then we had um from um High Picking his restaurant has been open in Kroger's for over 20 years. Now, if you're a kosher restaurant and you lasted 20 years, that's like a 100 in <laughs>
1: restaurant years. You could say that again. <laughs>
11: right? Like, how many come and go? They open some as little as a few weeks uh-huh. to, to you know, 10 years, but for 20 years, like, there's only a handful that I can think of. Um And then the final guests were, of course, the hostess with Moses, Jody, and Sipora, and Lydia. They came on the show. We had such a good schmooze, and I love their accents. I know that's funny coming from me. Yeah,
1: come on. (laughs) I
11: know, but they have a different accent than New Yorkers.
1: Yeah, that's true. Hey, it is the South after all, and you did experience the Southern hospitality. Did you have any of the uh, tuna melts or any of those great sandwiches they make down there?
11: So we had, you only had some sushi, I had some soups. Nice. I, I accidentally, well, I didn't accidentally, I wanted to get flasheak. <laughs> <laughs> so so they came from High Peking and they bought me flasheak, so I ate flasheak. So I did not get a chance to eat the um the dairy sandwiches All right. the paninis, you're, you're, now you, they looked amazing
1: Now you have something To look forward to Your next trip To the Spicy Beach
11: You always say You have to leave Something behind there you so you go So you plan to go back And then we at A few restaurants On the way You know I always like To include a food crawl Because I love to see The kosher food Around in the area So we, we did that And Alex Edov, Who's a local Fourth generation Atlanta a resident um, he uh, took us around meño around and we ate at fuego mundo did you eat there
1: we were there once it's pretty amazing it's quite a scene there no isn't it it's a really nice scene with uh, it was
11: very nice yeah. very nice i had a sangria cuz it was a long work day <laughs> <So> <laughs> very you need cool a glass of wine at the end of the day very yeah cool. it was it was great i loved atlanta i love going to different communities around the country so to be able to do table for two from a a place that I was, you know, that I was sent to for you and for Miriam. And, you know, I was like, especially my 200th show. Like, wow, it got to be from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, it
1: got to be something extra special. And you represented us really, really well. Naomi Nachman, you'll see it all at com just minutes from now. And, of course, you'll hear it all right here if you're listening to J.M. That's what's going to follow on table for two. A supersized edition, two hours from Atlanta, Georgia, done this week. It was done this week, folks. Very timely, very cool. And, again, it puts a bow on our whole Atlanta journey as Naomi broadcasts episode number 200 of Table for Two from the Spicy Peach. Big shout-out to Jody Lydia Tsipora, to everybody who uh, really made the last month really exciting for us down there in ATL. Uh, Naomi, get some rest over Shabbos. Thank thank you.
11: Thank you so much. And, Nachom, I just want to thank you personally and Miriam for having me, you know, giving me the spot. 200 shows, and when you first found me, well, Nachum and I go way back from the Lower East Side days, but to give me a show and and have me on for so long, and and I just love every minute. A big hakaratat to you and Miriam.
1: Thank you. We take tremendous pride in Nachus, and just keep going strong.
11: Thank you.
1: And we'll think of a really cool place for episode 300.
11: <laughs> I know. Maybe 201, but that's going to be on the Lower East Side, and we're going to air next Friday. A whole bunch of new episodes up till PESA.
1: That's cool. All right. I'll start thinking of 250 then. Thanks, Naomi. <laughs> Have a wonderful job. It's Friday morning broadcast. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. <music>
0: senseless hate Say to your waist Kept that smile And wiped our tears away Promised us there'll come a time When we'll always say Shabbos now Shabbos now
1: morning Erev Shabbos it's uh it's Shabbos now that is um eighth day of course and don't forget eighth day with Yishal Dote, with Ive Simchas this coming Sunday night 7 p.m. eighth day headlines an amazing night at the Master Theater to benefit Chazde soul to soul if you have not gotten your tickets yet for the Master Theater in Brooklyn for this coming Sunday night make sure to do so it's uh, jewishtickets.com, easiest way at this point. Let's just give out that email address, uh, that, uh, web, excuse me, that web address, jewishtickets.com, jewishtickets.com. Simple as that. Hatzlachar um, to the Yeshi University Maccabees, the men's basketball team today against Old Westbury at YU in the Skyline Conference Championship semifinals. Good luck, guys, to everybody coaches, players, all the fans, everyone that will be there. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere. Uh, MaxLive.com will have it. maxmacslive.com, MaxLive.com Make sure to watch if you can't be at the game. Looking forward to a uh, wonderful afternoon. Pre-Shabbos afternoon up at Yeshiva University. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at J M M. The Sun
0: It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbat all your work is done, I'm gonna spend a day together with the holy one. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine, man and his creator it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well in
1: brothers and sisters in Israel we are with you at your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world in the web on the Nachum Network and of course on the beloved NSN app and that will wrap up an amazing week an incredible show and uh, thanks so much to everybody for making this an incredible week an amazing show my thanks to Jake Novak joined us earlier from Space IL down in Cape Canaveral my thanks to Mayor Weingarten who uh, really helped us understand what's happening with the Israeli elections as best as possible? <laughs> I don't think anybody could explain it fully. He'll return Monday at 9 a.m. with full explanations about everything happening in the uh, world of politics and government in Israel. Um, Naomi Nachman is next with a two hour supersized table for two in honor of her 200th anniversary episode. Happened at the Spicy Peach down in Atlanta earlier this week. Big shout out to Yoni Pollock for all of his efforts for that show. Um, Mark Zomick with the Arab Shabbos show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, that'll start at 11 a.m. Harry Rothenberg, Parsha Video Blog at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Then, of course, our Arab Shabbos music mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, single with Avrami. Sunday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Matis with J.M. Sunday. We're back on Monday. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Wonderful weekend until Monday. Achum, single reminding you: remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.